Unsure about your future after school? From finances to college, from adult education to military options, the Life After School podcast is for you. Now on to the host, Charles Prince. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Life After School. And I just want to apologize. It's been a couple of weeks since we have posted. We have been busy over here, and I've been busy with my other job and also been uh, dealing with some personal tragedy and some things that I had to take care of. And so it's been a pretty crazy couple of weeks, but thank you all for being patient. And I would like to ask that you continue to share these episodes and tell people about them. We're going to be continuing to talk about budgeting and our money. And one thing that we're going to be focusing on today is emergency, having an emergency fund. And if you follow any kind of financial program or financial following or any kind of financial influencer, one of the things they will talk about is having emergency fund. And that's very important to have. And I am not a financial expert. There are many other people out there who do a better job at discussing an emergency fund way better than I do. But I just want to give what I would recommend when it comes to an emergency fund. If you are just starting off and you work at a job that does not pay as high as a job, perhaps in an office job or any kind of trade job whatsoever, and you are maybe getting minimum wage or a little bit above minimum wage, you might be thinking to yourself, this is going to be hard for me to be able to get an emergency fund. And it can be difficult and it can be challenging. And there are going to be times that you may have to wait a good bit before you have an emergency fund. And I know one of the most popular things mentioned about what one goal you should have as far as how much you should have in your emergency fund I know a popular number that's thrown around is a minimum of $1,000 in your emergency fund. And I do not think that's a bad number. However, as I mentioned, with some of you starting off, getting $1,000 in your emergency fund is not going to be something that you might be able to do easily. That cost of rent is ridiculous. The cost of living continues to go up what seems like month after month. And so I know that money is going to be tight. So what can you do for an emergency fund? And again, I mean, I am not an expert on this and I am not claiming to be one, but here are some things I think is a good recommendation when it comes to an emergency fund. First thing I would like to mention, and I think I mentioned this a couple of times in some of our previous episodes when it comes to budgeting, save something, save something each check. If you are able to save a dollar each check, do that. If you're able to save $5, do that. Just put something to savings. If you do not have a savings account, and if you have a bank or have a bank with a checking account, then go to your bank online or to a branch and open up a savings account. And even if you do not have a traditional bank, this includes some of the online banks like Chime, they have savings account options. So you can open up savings accounts on even these online banks. So there 
is plenty of accessibility for almost anyone to open up a savings account. And I strongly recommend that you do that. Get a savings account open up. Even if it's a dollar per check, put it in there. And savings account is the safest way to build money. It's the least riskiest way. So you're not going to really get much on the um, interest is concerned and building up on there. Now, the more money you have in the account, the more that interest will impact your account, but it's still going to be a minimal impact than doing something like a more risky investment such as stocks and whatnot. But again, I'm not an expert, not going to tell you, you know, investing, you know, go invest in stocks or in this stock and that stock. We'll have guests on here that will discuss that more and we'll go and be able to go into more detail about that. So when it comes to building that emergency fund, put something in there. Now, over time, you want to increase how much you put in there. So if you start off with a dollar, make it a goal to try to increase it little by little each check. Now, I understand there are going to be some checks that you simply are not able to put much, if not anything, towards your savings slash emergency fund. And the biggest thing you want to do is just make sure you put something in there, even if it's just 50 cents or anything, any kind of amount you can put towards that will be a great help. Um, second thing I want to talk about is what are some things, what are some realistic goals for you to have when it comes to an emergency fund? If you are able to accrue or gather a decent amount of money in a savings account, one thing I strongly recommend is if you have the ability, try to save up whatever the amount your rent is and have that saved up in there. And like I said, I know that is not always possible. I know there are people that will say, well, you're not doing enough. You need to stop doing uh, this and stop spending that. And, and in some cases, they're right that there are some things you are going to have to give up and have to stop doing and certain things, non-necessary spending that you might have to take care of and that you might have to stop in order to um, fulfill these emergency fund goals. However, in the economy we're in, I think many of us are just lucky to be able to even have anything to spend on non-necessary stuff anyway. So I know that trying to save up that amount is going to be a difficult thing. But if you are able to save up at least one month of rent in your savings slash emergency fund, this is very important because landlords, landladies, they are real quick and some of them are quicker than others on wanting you out if you do not pay rent on time. And that's why, as I mentioned, it's very important to pay attention to those contracts that you sign with landlords, landladies, or any kind of rental company, because you need to see not only if you can afford the rent, but you also need to see if they have any grace period. And this is not to say you should rely on a grace period or should rely on any of those backup features they have when it comes to rent, but things can happen. You can lose your job and you are stuck in between jobs. You could have your pay being late, which I've had that happen before in previous jobs where something happened with payroll and I didn't get my check on time and I was late on some things. 
That happens. You don't know what will happen. And that's why it's so important to have some type of emergency fund. And even if it's not fully funded, let's say your rent is $1,000 and you only have two or $300 saved up. Now, and again, I can't speak for all people who are landlords, but one thing I will say is that with some landlords, if you say, hey, listen, I got a situation, this is what's happening, and this is how much I'm able to give you now, some of them will work with you. And again, this is a case-by-case basis. There are some that will say, no, you pay me the whole thing or I'll count you late. And that is something, again, that is a case-by-case basis that you're going to have to deal with. So do your best to save up one month of rent in your emergency fund. And I know it's not easy. And in some of you, it may not even be possible, but do what you can continue to put money into that savings account in that emergency fund. And the last thing I want to talk about here when it comes to emergency fund is do everything you can not to touch the money in your savings account. That is one of the hardest things to do. There are other types of savings accounts that are out there that they penalize you if you take money out. And while that might seem like an incentive for you to keep money in, however, if you have an emergency fund, you it is nice to have something in which you can access without being penalized. However, I understand that you may also want to have that safeguard to keep you from going in there just because you might have ran out of money out of your checking account to order a pizza and you go in and you take $20 from savings to go and get the pizza. And so understand there are going to be times where you're going to want to have that safeguard, but that's why it's important to practice self-control. Practicing self-control is a very important thing. And it's not something that comes overnight. It's one of those things that you have to constantly work at and constantly do what you can to not fall into that trap. And it's not easy. I don't have self-control a lot of times. And I sometimes have to be really careful and rely on my wife to say, don't spend that. And I have to go, you're right. I shouldn't spend that. And I won't spend that. And I know a lot of you may not be in that case and situation where you have someone who's an accountability partner for you. Find you an accountability partner and have them contact you and just keep up, keep track of what you're doing. It's not to say give them access to your bank account information or anything like that. But if you know you have some spending habits you want to break, then ask a person you trust and say, you know what, just check up on me. Make sure that I'm not doing anything stupid. Ask me. And, and to say, hey, have you bought something or have you, I know you usually like to go and um, I'll just use this as an example, just not to pick on anybody, but I'll use this as an example. Um, hey, I know you like to buy lottery tickets, uh, at least four or five tickets each week. Are you still doing that? And I'm not trying to pick on anyone with that. However, I brought up lottery tickets because one, um, I believe this one statistic I've heard when I was younger I need to research to see if it's actually true, but I can actually believe it. The uh, stat that I heard was, is that you have a higher chance of dying in a car accident on your way to the gas station to buy the lottery ticket than you do winning it big on the lottery. So the five, the two or three bucks, or in some cases, 
Some of us are spending more than five, 10, 20, maybe even more on lottery tickets. That can go into a savings account or some of it can even go to a higher end yield savings account, which we're not here to talk about these different accounts, but just do what you can. Put anything, anything you can towards a savings account, each check, even if it's little, do what you can. And again, this is a topic I am not an expert on, and we will have guests on here to talk more about that. But this is just to give you a little taste of how to get started. And next week, we're going to talk about how to open up a checking account and a savings account. And we're going to have videos with that. And hopefully, I am going to have some videos from Chase. Uh, That's the bank I bank with who will hopefully be able to give me some advice that I'm able to post online and just get you guys some information. And if it's not Chase, I'm going to see if any bank in the area will let me go through that process and just see what we can do. All right. You all have a good rest of your rest of your day of what's left of it. Good rest of the weekend and never give up on your dreams. Thank you for listening to the Life After School podcast hosted by Charles Prince. Check your favorite podcast platform for a new episode every Thursday. Never give up on your dreams. Fighting to create.